everybody and welcome back for most of you back to the that dog training show with Tanya Yarbrough and yes I'm Tanya Yarbrough at least for today uh, oh, happy new year everybody I hope you had a good holiday a little bit of a break and a good start for a new year and if you didn't have a good start well it won't take much to keep you going better for you you know what I'm saying so um, anyway for me I had a busy time I ended up uh, canceling what I intended to do I planned but um, I had um, four extra dogs at my house over the holidays whether people enjoyed themselves but it was pretty good you know it's not a bad gig to work out of the home and just have to walk the dogs and train them and you know make sure nobody hurts each other and all that stuff so it was kind of relaxed I ended up uh, doing a lot of reorganizing and cleaning and, and laundry which for me was a, a damn good treat actually so <laughs> I was alright with that um, so on the terms of reorganizing things I'm going to start you know tweaking the show just a tiny tiny bit um, I'd like to start off each show now that we have a new year uh, 2015 with our shubs of the week and not only would I like to start the show with that which may or may not be my topic of the week um, I would like to invite you all of you to give me your shubs something you experienced something that you know drove you crazy or made you laugh or, or what have you or both um, but um, um, you can contact me on That Dog Training Show with Tanya Yarbrough on the Facebook page or email me at thatdogtrainingshow at gmail.com and send me your story and uh, let me know how you want to be identified or not be identified on the radio. And I will be glad to open the show with your shubs of the week because... I have my experiences, but I would definitely like to hear yours, so I'd be glad to share. Um, anyway... Uh, if, uh, you have any questions as well, uh, in terms of dog training or dog behavior, I also welcome you to ask me these questions and I will answer them on air. How's that? See, it's like kind of free dog training. It's just delayed gratification. You have to actually pay attention. And I will email all those who uh, give me questions and let them know what show it's going to be on. So anyway, um, let's move on to our little deal. Um, the shubs of the week, the first one of the year. Um, here it is, folks. A dog owner who expects the trainer to do all the work of training their dog, also known as, it asked, uh, I have a client who refuses to learn how to train his own dog and then blames me for an out-of-control puppy. That's right. Hired me to start the training with the understanding that I was going to teach him how to maintain it. Because it is two different things, by the way. To start a behavior, to start training that behavior, and then to maintain it. It is much harder to do the starting of it, the beginning, the learning process that takes more patience. I was glad to start it, like teaching the sit and the down and all that good stuff. But the owner has to develop that relationship and continue and maintain it and build it in distance, distraction, and duration. Um, <clears throat> but he refuses to learn it, right? Doesn't want to hear about it, doesn't want to even have free videos of it, blah, blah, blah. But then it's my fault that when he lets his puppy loose out in the house, it is out of control, poops on all things that are square, hello, pee pads, and uh, destroys his socks, etc., etc. So um, that also happens to be the topic of today's show. Newsflash, people, you are responsible for training your dog. That's right. You are responsible for training your dog. I am responsible for 
actually teaching you to do this. Okay, so simply put, a pet dog trainer, such as myself, the job is this, to teach the owner how to train their own dog, as well as teach the owner how to develop a solid, trusting work relationship with their dog. It's kind of like this, like you hire a personal trainer for getting in shape. Now the personal trainer's job is not to actually get you in shape. They can't do the sit-ups for you folks. No, no, no. They show you how to do it properly and to breathe properly and when to rest and when to keep going so that you can do it your damn self. You know what I'm saying? They're not supposed to do the work for you and then you're supposed to expect them to get you into this different shape without you doing a damn thing except pay the money. That's just one analogy. A pet dog trainer does not train the dog and send it back to the owner. And then the dog is perfect for the rest of its life. Unless, of course, the owner actually learns from the trainer how to maintain and continue developing the training. That's why, I don't know, there's this huge misconception. And I know back in the 70s this was super popular. And before the 70s it was also very super popular. But I was a little younger so I didn't really experience that particularly myself. Um, It seems there are enough people in the world who have enough money. Which is probably not you and I. But there's enough people in the world who have enough money uh, but not the time. Or the patients who think that the way to get a dog trained is to be well behaved is just send the dog off for months at a time and voila, they have a house trained, doesn't chew your stuff and is never out of control kind of dog for the rest of its life. Totally wrong. Now it works for horses. Why? Because the horse is not living in your damn house with you. That's why. And it's trained to do certain behaviors and it is continually trained with its handlers from then on. And the owner of the horse rarely deals with that and certainly not in their own living room. So it doesn't work for dogs. It doesn't work at all. And I'm going to explain why. It should be obvious, I would think, but apparently it is not. Um, apparently this is a hard concept for some people. So I want to kind of share why this is obvious to me anyway. Um, It's kind of like this. Dogs are not like marble. That once you sculpt it, they remain these perfect, steadfast, finished pieces of art that remind the owner of how proud they should be of themselves for owning such a fine piece of art. Hmm. Dogs are like clay, and they are constantly molding and changing based on its environment. It is a constant work up till the point of being glazed and placed in the kiln. And even so, now the analogy doesn't work anymore for dogs because they continue to change. They are living creatures who respond to their environment. Period. So, on that thought, in that analogy, the pet dog trainer is not the marble sculptor. The pet dog trainer is the master potter who teaches the owner of the clay all the techniques of shaping and molding the clay i.e. the dog into a piece of art that they envision that's why it can be so individual right when it comes to what kind of dog you want what kind of training you want what your dog what the boundaries you want for your dogs and what are some of the things that are universal and what's kind of unique that you can choose and pick so If the owner refuses to spin the wheel, or refuses to shape the clay, or all of the above, all that is left there is that messy pile of wet clay. 
even if the master potter has started the foundations, as soon as that is passed over to the owner and they don't continue the techniques and continue to work it according to their vision, it's not going to be this fine piece of pottery art that the owner wants. It's just not possible. It just simply doesn't work that way. So then if the messed up piece of pottery, now clay with this weird mixture of water and clay, so now it's even harder to change and mold again because now you've got to get the, you know, the consistency to the right place again before you can start over. Now the master potter has to start all over the following week or the following month and rebuild the foundation and get the consistency right, i.e. the attitude of the dog, etc., and then try to hand it back over to the owner, and then of course the owner refuses to do any of the work. So once again, now this massive clay that was once fixed is even worse, and each time back and forth, the clay loses the proper consistency, it loses its resiliency, you have to add more clay, you have to put more money into it, you have to put more work into it, and all the while it is simply because the owner refuses to put in the work, refuses to learn. So it is with this client who has insisted I train a dog. So remember, this is a Shubs thing, so I've experienced this. This has gotten to like where I have an extreme example now. It's not the first time. It is the most most phenomenal time that someone has been this hard-headed about the situation. In the six months this dog has lived, they have lived only four weeks. This dog has lived only four weeks with the owner and the rest of the weeks with me because I keep having to fix the foundations that get ruined every time all those boundaries and things are changed because the owner refuses to learn anything about boundaries or anything about the behaviors. Okay. So although I made it very clear to this client from the very beginning before taking on any work, or agreeing to be hired at all, that I will only get the puppy started in terms of learning the new behaviors and the the boundaries, the client must meet with me once a week and learn how to maintain the behaviors his puppy has learned. That's it. Wouldn't you like that little situation, right? I get the hard work part done, you just learn the hand signal and continue on, right? That seems like a good deal. The client has refused to pay attention longer than three minutes every time I've met, if the client even showed up. The client refused the free of charge short videos of 10 to 30 seconds that I offered to demonstrate that demonstrates me working these commands with his own puppy, etc. Now that's too much too. That's too much commitment, even though it was totally free. Um, so the dog, this young, almost six month old puppy is house trained, but just in my house. She knows not to steal my socks, but just in my house. Anybody else's house, she'll steal their socks. It's her favorite thing. And she'll parade around the house with it and insist that you chase her. So it's a kind of a hard thing to teach your dog to drop it. She knows not to chew my electrical cords in my house. Just in my house. You can't expect a dog to transfer this information. Let me, and we had a show about this very early on in the first season from a, a psychologist who explained that dogs don't learn the same way that we do. Dogs don't perfectly transfer learning from one context to another. 
It just doesn't happen. When you change the context, the dog rethinks the situation. Now it makes it easier once they've learned a certain behavior or boundary in one context, when they go to a new context and you kind of reset the learning, it goes a lot faster and sticks a little longer, but it's not automatic. So when it comes to, for instance, in movie training for dogs, we deal with training uh, well, dogs, cats, etc., but I'll talk about dogs. Um, we train the behaviors, which might be something simple like a sit or a down or what have you, just normal behaviors of a dog. But we also train them separately under the, the context of duration, distance, and distraction. Usually duration first, then distance, then distractions. Well, guess what a new environment is for a dog? It's a distraction. So if I can train my dog to sit, like a lot of people tell me, and I'm sure you've all experienced this yourselves, because this is normal, my dog does great inside the house, but once we go outside, they don't seem to know what a sit is anymore. Well, of course not, because you actually have to retrain, although albeit it's much easier and a lot faster, the dog to sit outside. And then that's not just it, the whole of it. It's got to be someplace outside that's not like next to a, a freight train. All right, you got to slowly build these distractions in these different contexts. I mean, we start off with training a dog sitting, and then when I teach the class, I always tell people make sure that the next time you ask the dog to sit, you've led them to another sit place, even just a few inches away, a slightly different angle. Let the dog know that in every context, no matter what they're looking at, because they take these details very seriously, that a sit means a sit, no matter what angle they're sitting, etc. So. This is something that also transfers to house training, to not chewing your furniture, to not stealing your dirty laundry and parading around the house with it, to not taking a shit in your bathtub, whatever it may be. You have to actually retrain. Again, it's much easier to do it in a new context once they've learned the basic foundations, but you still have to retrain within that context. So here's a client who expects me to have a six-month-old miniature Australian Shepherd who are wild-ass dogs in the first place. Okay. Fast little buggers. If something falls, like a leaf falls, she literally gets so excited, she starts screaming. That's how crazy wild this dog is. And that's normal for this kind of breed. And there are other breeds who are also that kind of crazy. So, so to have a dog go from learning to be calm and not charging and and putting her mouth on everything and charging dogs and people and grabbing objects and chasing and all that kind of garbage and house training in my house that's one task already but then that has to be brought over to his house and he has to have the same boundaries the same crating the same penning the same sort of you know set of rules in his house which will take him a lot less effort but this client ref refuses to put any effort into it. Now, I'm not just picking on this one person. This, like I said, is not uncommon. It's just this one is particularly phenomenal to the point where I have to prove that I'm not liable for the lack of control this dog has in his house and to prove that I do not owe him any money back for the training that I put into it. Um, so, because simply he has not fulfilled his part of the contract, right? So, I'm sure any of you have run any businesses, you've experienced this yourself. So, um, this is the deal, though. 
it keeps coming up over and over that people just want to get their dogs and not have to put any of the work into it. Like getting a dog is like getting a hamster. And you know I love hamsters, so I'm not putting hamsters down. But here's the deal. My job is to teach you guys how to teach your own dog. The relationship with a dog is not about simply... I've got this little piece of art that I can show off without putting all the work into the relationship. And that's what it is. It's a relationship, folks. It's a constant changing relationship. And like any other relationship, it has to actually be worked on. If you don't work on it, it goes down the toilet really fast. Ask anyone who's been through a divorce or a breakup or anything like that. And then afterwards they realize that they didn't put in the effort that they were supposed to. And that's the worst kind of breakup. Because then you realize it's your own damn fault. So, now when it comes to a dog, you're changing the boundaries. And you expect the dog to just sort of magically figure it out just magically beyond what their capabilities are beyond their what their brain is capable of. the dog is not capable of transferring that information automatically even if you house trained your dog how many of you experienced going over to a friend's house and you walk in with what you thought was a well-behaved dog because you worked at it and all of a sudden the dog takes a piss on your friend's carpet why because they don't know inside outside automatically you have to experience that and go oh I gotta catch that moment you have to take the risk that they may do that and then correct the dog in the appropriate way which is really quick and over with really fast and then they start going oh you mean in this context it those rules also apply I mean to them it doesn't make any difference it's a carp it's not in your house so as long as it's not in your house it's okay that's the only thing they learn until they experience other contexts, right? So to actually expect a dog to just be a one-time training deal and not the lifestyle and work that it's supposed to be, then that's, that's where people like that just shouldn't have a dog, period. They just shouldn't have a dog. Unless you pick out an old dog who just needs a couple of years to sleep on your, you know, front porch or in your living room and, and you pet them because they've got nothing left to give to the world other than a little bit of a walk and a little bit of sleep. And if that's what you want, go for it. You got a couple good years out of that deal. All right? But that's not how it is when you get a puppy or when you get a young dog. That's that's a whole lifetime of working at it. So, you know, in this situation, it's it's amazing how many people are not willing. Like even my other clients, I come and I, I always say, start off with 15 minutes. Build it up, build it up, build it up. But start off with 15 minutes if that's all you know how to do right now. But that's not the way it should be the rest of your life. You got to keep working at it. You keep got to raise the bar. Your dogs can get bored out of their freaking mind if you never challenge them with new things. And that's called training. And that's called a working relationship. And so with folks who think that they're just going to get this nice little marble sculpture and get this perfect little living sculpture walking around with them and going to the office and never being a jackass because they think it's it's just a one-time deal. I just need to program it like a computer. I just need to put the remote control and program it so it's a universal remote control and all he has to do is think about it like a segue and the dog acts perfectly well without ever putting any work into it. B.S. folks, it's not how it works. It's a living creature, right? That's why it's so cool. It's a living creature. If you wanted a robot, you get yourself a damn robot. So, the deal is, is that 
I also want to give you another news flash, just in case you hadn't figured this out, but I think most of you listening have. Here it is. You ready? Dogs are opportunists. Yeah, it's part of their survival skill set. If you give them the opportunity to be a jackass, they will. So, until they are physiologically and psychologically mature enough to respect your boundaries without you being in the room and watching them, which takes some time and takes some work and takes consistency, then they're going to be a jackass. They're going to take the opportunity to get into as much trouble as possible. Just like kids. Just like you probably did. I'm just saying I was weird. I was not like that, which I should have been, but I wasn't. So there you go. So it caused my own trouble now. Anyway, so dogs are opportunists. So if you've got a little puppy who's got the ADD issues of a gnat and screams every time she's excited, what do you think is going to happen if you let her run around the house without any boundaries, without any supervision, without any consequences to her causing trouble? She's going to do it, and she's going to get high off of it. You should see her eyes just rolling out and glazed over like she's freaking, what's his name, Jack Nicholson, and <laughs> screaming red rum. I'm telling you, this little little beast is going to go there, because no one's telling that little beast to stop. Because they just expect it to just happen naturally. I look at that little beast in my house, and I'll have to just go... Eh, from across the room and she's like dropping the sock and then kind of laying down and going dari dari and vibrates in place because her hormones are going crazy because she's a puppy and she's a spaz monkey and that's the way she is but her owner has to learn how to do that to have a well-behaved dog so here's the deal i as a dog trainer can do all the boundary setting that could possibly be expected of a small young dog. But if the owner lets the dog loose in the house, unsupervised, with no consequences, to the any missteps, then you're just going to get a wild beast. Every single time. And then every time the dog comes back to me, I have to restart over. It takes three days to get back to where I was before I last left her, and then try to build up from there. And by that time, the time is up. So, all training towards good behavior just ends up going down the toilet, Right? So, here's the deal. As it is, I'm spending more time relating to this do- person's dog. The dog's practically mine, but being paid for by somebody else. That's not the way to have a dog. It's about a relationship. If you're not going to have a relationship and work on it every day in the best way you can, there is no point in having a dog or a cat. I'd say snake or hamster is about as best as you're going to get. Goldfish? I say no, because first of all, you don't get to pet a goldfish when you feel like feeling sorry for yourself and want somebody to actually console you, which is why a lot of folks like this actually get a pet, But besides the whole showing off thing. But actually, taking care of an aquarium is more work than taking care of the the cage of a snake or, or the cage of a hamster. So I say snake or hamster, not both at the same time, clearly. So, relationship. The dog needs that relationship with you to feel safe, to feel loved, to feel trusting. How abusive is it that you don't have a relationship with your dog because you refuse to put the little bit of work here and 15 minutes there, 5 minutes there, 10 minutes there, throughout your day to work with your dog? 
And I'm not saying those of you with a full-time job and you're gone 10 hours a day that you can't do that. Your dog, your dog when they're, once they're kind of in, close to adult, like 8, 9, 10, you know, months a year, they're sleeping all day anyway. So the 10 hours can go by fine. But when you're home, it's work time, it's play time, it's structure time, it's relationship time. Even telling your dog to get out of the kitchen and go into the crate while you're cooking your own meal is relationship. So if you're not doing that, what's the point of for the dog? What's the dog getting out of this? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. There might as well be an ornament on the wall. So training is that huge integral part of the relationship. It's that working part. It's part of what makes them social animals. And training has to do with two parts, right? Behaviors like the sit and the down and the stay and the boundaries. Don't chew my electrical cords. Don't eat my socks. Don't get in the kitchen when I'm cooking. Boundaries. Don't jump on my guests. Don't jump on me. Don't nip my hand when I'm walking through the house. You know, little things like that. Boundaries. So, bottom line is this. A pet dog is meant for work. If you don't have the time or the patience to do the work or learn to do the work and start making that change, don't get a dog and don't hire a trainer and blame them for not doing your work. If you want to get in shape, but you're not willing to do the sit-ups and the diet and everything else, then don't hire a personal trainer and pay them and then blame them for not for still being fat and lazy. Sorry, it doesn't work that way. The personal trainer is not there to do the work for you. The pet trainer for your dog is not there to do the training for you. We're here to guide you, help you, give you the techniques, and tailor it for you and your dog and for the, the vision you have for your dog in the future. That's it. So, for those of you who have uh, kids who are begging you for a dog, you may edit out and bleep out some of my words here, but on the other hand, I would have them listen to this and make it very serious. It is a relationship that requires constant work and constant thought. So, it's, you know, it's dog time when you're growed up time. That's what I'm talking about, or you're about to be growed up. So, as they say in the South. So, um, or we said in the South, I'll take full responsibility for that. Anyway, so that's my rant for this week, starting off the new year. Hello, if you're going to make a resolution about getting fit, you better make sure your dog's getting fit and you got to do the work. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and it's not the dog trainer's fault unless they just didn't show up, which I show up. So, there you have it. All right, so um, there are some new group classes coming up. Um, we started already this past weekend at bluecollarworkingdog.com. Check it out on uh, Sunday, a noon class for street obedience. That's for your dog aggressive dogs. So if you say that your dog is an a-hole and wants to kill other dogs, you're probably in the perfect class for me. So um, so it's uh, bluecollarworkingdog.com. Uh, street obedience starting sun this coming Sunday, the 11th at noon. And I think there's still some space available for you. If there's not, please contact me at thatdogtrainingshow at gmail.com and I will assess the situation, possibly get you in anyway. Um, and also there's the Pack Leadership Seminar. Now practically almost, not yet, but almost will be, huh, huh, world famous Pack Leadership Seminar 101. So it's not for dogs, just for people. And uh, it's a three-hour, one-woman, usually comedy show, although it's kind of serious. You'll get some good information out of it. And it's on the 18th, so you can go to bluecollarworkingtog.com to check that out. So, folks, till next week, remember that in the dog world, to love 
is to serve. So give your dog the opportunity to serve you every day in just little ways and in return, serve them well. Talk to you later, guys. I just want to